0: Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om namo BHAGAVATE Vasudevaya Tonight, this afternoon, I would like to read from the Bhagavad Gita, Chapter 7, Text Number 25. Naham prabhasa sarvasya Yoga maya Mudhoyam nabhichanati Lokoma majam avyayam I am never manifest to the foolish and unintelligent. For them I am covered by my eternal creative potency, Yoga maya. And so the deluded world knows me not, who am unborn and infallible. <clears throat> Purport by His Divine Grace, Shila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada It may be argued that since Krishna was present on this earth and was visible to everyone, then why isn't He manifest to everyone? But actually He was not manifest to everyone. When Krishna was present there, there were only a few people who could understand him to be the Supreme Personality of Godhead. <clears throat> In the assembly of Kurus, when Shishupal spoke against Krishna, being elected president of the assembly, Bhishma supported him and proclaimed him to be the Supreme God. Similarly, the Pandavas and a few others knew that he was the Supreme, but not everyone. Revealed to the non devotees and the common man. Therefore, in the Gita, Krishna says that but for his pure devotees, all men consider him to be like themselves. He was manifest only to his devotees as the reservoir of all pleasure, but to others, to unintelligent non devotees, he was covered by his eternal potency. The prayers of Kunti in the Srimad Bhagavatam, it is said, that the Lord is covered by the curtain of Yoga Maya, and thus ordinary people cannot understand him. Kunti prays, O oh my Lord, you are the maintainer of the entire universe, and devotional service to you is the highest religious principle. Therefore, I pray that you will also maintain me. Your transcendental form is covered by the yoga maya. The Brahma Jyoti is the covering of the internal potency. May you kindly remove this glowing effulgence that impedes my seeing your sacchit-ananda-vigraha, your eternal form of bliss and knowledge. The Yogamaya curtain is also mentioned in the 15th chapter of the Gita. The Supreme Personality of Godhead in his transcendental form of bliss and knowledge is covered by the eternal potency of Brahma Brahmajyoti and the less intelligent impersonalists cannot see the Supreme on this account. Also in the Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam there is a prayer by Brahma, O Supreme Personality of Godhead, O Supersoul, O Master of all mystery, who can calculate your potency and pastimes in this world? You are always expanding your eternal potency and therefore no one can understand you. Learned scientists and learned scholars can examine the atomic constitution of the material world or even the planets, but still they are unable to calculate your energy and potency, although you are present before them. The Supreme Personality of Godhead Lord Krishna, is not only unborn, but He is avyāya, avyāya, inexhaustible. His eternal form is bliss and knowledge and his energies are all inexhaustible. Translation, I am never manifest to the foolish and unintelligent. For them, I am covered by my eternal creative potency. And so the deluded world knows me not, who am unborn and infallible. Nahaṁ prakāśya-sārvāśyā This means, literally, I am not manifest to everyone. Uh, It is very topical these days, the current television series Mahābhārata where the transcendental pastimes of the Lord are being depicted and many people become very bewildered sometimes confused why is Krishna doing like this why is Krishna telling Bhima how to cheat in order to kill Jarasandha. Also, how to cheat to kill Duryodhana. He also told Arjuna how to cheat to kill Radheya, Karana, as well as to keep, to kill Jayadrata. Huh? Sometimes people have a conception of Krishna to be something like themselves uh, what to speak of krishna's divine leela in vrindavan people accuse why is krishna meeting with unmarried girls in the middle of the night and why is he dancing with them and embracing them this is not according to the hindu culture this is not according to the decent respectable principles of morality. Is it that Krishna is a liar? Is it that he is a cheater? Is it that he is immoral at times? Ah. This question is unanswered properly save and accept for those who have attained the mercy of Lord Krishna. You see, Krishna reveals himself exactly according to our surrender, according to our consciousness. Ah. And even 5,000 years ago, when Lord Shri Krishna was present on this earth, very few people understood who he really was. It is described only a handful understood his supreme position. When he entered into the wrestling arena of Kamsa, you know the story, where uh, Kamsa wanted to kill Krishna because Krishna was a threat to his sense gratification. All our sense gratification is dependent on our living in this body, right? Well, Kamsa was given a warning that that the eighth child of Devaki and Vasudeva would destroy him. So he was thinking that I am working so hard to accumulate more and more sense gratification, And without living in this body, everything is spoiled. Literally, total 100% of my whole life's mission to enjoy will be foiled by this eighth son. So he was very anxious to kill Lord Krishna. So he sent so many demons to Vrindavan, but every one of them was easily vanquished by the Lord. So then he decided to have a wrestling match with two very, very powerful wrestlers, Chanura and Mustika. And he knew that in order to convince Krishna to come to Mathurā to fight this wrestling match, he would have to send someone that Krishna would trust to invite him. So he sent Akrura, who was Krishna's uncle and who was a very, very dear beloved devotee of the Lord. So Rakura came to Vrindavan and he brought Lord Sri Krishna and Sri Valaramji back for the wrestling match. Now all the um, important residents of Mathura were present at that time to see this sporting event. And when Krishna entered into the wrestling arena, practically nobody could see that he was God. Everyone saw Krishna exactly according to their particular mentality in life. The young women, when they saw Krishna, my God, they are young women are generally looking for good husbands they saw Krishna as the personification of Cupid himself their minds were just utterly attracted that this is the most handsome, beautiful man in all of the creation I want him as my husband that is how they saw Krishna the most charming and beautiful young man Ah. the yogis who were present, they saw ah, that here is the paramatma within the heart of every living being, the object of my meditation, the goal of my life. The jnanis, they saw ah, that here is the the very basis and source of the impersonal Brahman, the all-pervading energy and spirit and light. The atheists. They simply saw Krishna as just an ordinary man, just a regular person coming in to do a wrestling match. The wrestlers, they saw Krishna as the most formidable, powerful, thunderbolt-like wrestler. And Kamsa saw Krishna as death personified. At the same time, there were many parents in the audience and when they saw Krishna, they were thinking, ah, he is the most beautiful young child. And Vasudev and Devaki, when they saw Krishna, they were thinking, ah, our son, our beautiful little son. How in the world is he going to wrestle with these big wrestlers? So Krishna reveals himself to everyone exactly according to how we approach him. Krishna describes in Gita in this verse, that for those who are foolish and unintelligent, they cannot understand my supreme nature. (inaudible) avajananti ma manu simta namasrata parambhava ma Fools deride me when I descend in this human-like form. They take me to be one of them. They do not understand my supreme position, which is inexhaustible, immutable unlimited i remember one time i was giving a lecture and a very distinguished phd um, scholar professor who had written many books on the hindu religion he was an american man he had lived in india for about 20 years studying he said to me after the lecture why you worship krishna of all the gods why krishna i cannot understand why the hari krishna movement you are an american i cannot if you were born in a family of devotees of krishna i can understand you are bound by your parents and by your traditions but you born in america you have opportunity you can accept any form of god and worship why krishna <clears throat> he said i know krishna i've studied krishna for years i've done intensive research i've even done my thesis and got my phd in the subject matter of krishna huh i know him better than anyone else i have my diploma to prove it And what I have found is that Krishna, he cannot control his senses properly. (laughs) After all, in Jayadeva Goswami's Gita Govinda, it describes how he's in bushes with girls. You know, in America we do like that, but in India they're not supposed to do like that. and he's meeting women in the middle of the night he's immoral he cannot control his senses and not only that but he was a politician he was a diplomat in the Mahabharat. he was even a thief he would steal butter if he's God then he should be a God when he's a baby too Right? But when he was a baby, he couldn't even control his tongue from stealing butter when he wasn't supposed to be doing like this. And he was passing urine on the floor. Huh? Is this God? Why? Why Krishna? I can understand maybe Vishnu or Narayan or Allah, but why Krishna? So. He thought that, ah, another victim of my academic prowess. After all, who are we? Except the representatives of our Guru Maharaj, we are nothing. So I replied, my dear sir, you are a professor. And you have studied Gita Govinda, which is a postgraduate study, a literature which is meant for paramhamsas. It is not meant for the ordinary man. Have you ever studied scrutinizingly and thoroughly the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita? Before you can understand the nature of Krishna's intimate divine Leela with his most confidential associates in the spiritual world, first you have to go to the basic ABCs of understanding how Krishna is God and why he is God. And understanding how you are not your body, but you are the spirit soul. Just like if you go to college to study being a heart surgeon, do they give you the books and tell you, you read these books and then the final exam will be that you do heart surgery, open heart surgery. Along with the books there must be trained physicians, trained professors who teach you step by step by step how to practically understand and apply the teachings of the books to your education and to your life. Otherwise it is impossible to get a proper understanding. So you are studying the Vedas, but what does the Vedas say? Bhagavad Gita is the preliminary summary study of Vedic literatures. Krishna says in Gita, Tadvidi pranipate na pari prasnena sevaya upateeksantianam janinastatva That if you want to understand the truth, you must be trained by a bona fide spiritual master. Mahajano Jenigatapa Sasapanta. You must follow in the footsteps of the great souls. Acharya pasanam. One who learns from an acharya knows things as they are. No one else can possibly, under any condition, understand the truth. Tadvigyan Arttam, Sugurum Eva The Vedas describe that if you want to understand the Vedas, you must be trained by guru the Vedic literatures are not simply an academic study although this man studied the Vedic literatures he was a scholar in Sanskrit more than practically anyone even in India and he knew all the stories very well he did not have even enough devotion the size of a mustard seed. He was approaching it as his profession. He was approaching it as his hobby. But he was not being trained how to approach it as a way of understanding the process of surrender to the Absolute Truth. Therefore, due to this approach, although he was reading about Krishna for 15, 20, 30, 40 years he never got the slightest glimpse of understanding of who is Krishna. How is that possible? Huh? So I explained to him, please understand how you are not this body, how you are the spirit soul what is the nature of God? Understand these things first, then enter into the Divine Leela of the Lord. In the tenth, in the tenth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, Shukadev Goswami himself narrates to Maharaj Parikshit that anyone who directly approaches the subject matter of the Rasa Leela without systematically going through the first nine cantos of Bhagavatam and attaining higher and higher realizations. For him, this subject matter is like drinking poison. It will destroy his spiritual life because he will get the wrong understanding. He will see Krishna, who is acting as an ordinary boy, he will see Him as an ordinary boy. He will criticize Him. He will find fault with Him. Just like today, there are certain so-called gurus who say that you are as good as Krishna. Essentially, we are all ultimately like Krishna. So we also can perform rasa lila. Huh? We do the rasa lila. In this way, we are completely fixing our mind on the activities of Krishna by taking part in the very pastime and through this process we will become liberated and we will become krishna so our guru maharaj said ah you want to dance raslila ah that's all right but first you have to qualify yourself by lifting govardhan hill with the little finger of your left hand for seven days after you, make, you, you show your qualification by this process then you perform rasalila every night with gopis huh? but until you can do that you have to understand the glory and greatness of God and the utter insignificance of yourself so I spoke these words to this great scholar and he had a very profound philosophical response Do you want to hear it? I said, what do you have to say now that I have spoken? Give me your arguments. He said, my wife is waiting for me. I must go. Ah. So, that pretty much Cleared up everything in my mind of exactly where his consciousness was. <laughs> the science of Krishna consciousness must be approached as a science, it must be approached according to the great spiritual scientists. Who know God? Let us take, for example, Lord Caitanya Mahaprabhu. He was a great incarnation of Lord Sri Krishna Himself. Now, he was coming from a most prestigious Brahmin family. Not only that, but Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He had the most beautiful, chaste, and faithful wife in the whole creation, Srimati Vishnupriya. Her life and soul was exclusively only for the pleasure of the Lord, her husband. Because he was such a great scholar, he was a Sanskrit grammar teacher, he had earned tremendous amounts of wealth, And he was also the most popular person in the whole society. He had everything a person could want. And he had a very, very gracious, loving, and affectionate mother who would do anything for him out of love. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in order to show compassion to humanity, in order to attain the integrity and respect from a spiritual position wherein people would listen to his message, he accepted the renounced order of life sannyās, which means he gave up all his wealth, he gave up his most beautiful and chaste and loving wife, he gave up all of his material prestige to live as a simple mendicant performing very, very great tapasya, austerities, for the sake of the benefit of other living beings. Now, this Lord Caitanya Mahaprabhu, the greatest of all sannyasis in the history of creation, he worshiped Krishna as the Supreme God, and he knew about Krishna's rasa-lila. How is this possible? He was not a sensual man of this world. Shukadeva Goswami, just see the position of Shukadeva Goswami. How he is worshiping, surrendered completely body, mind and soul to the glorification of this Lord Krishna. He declares that all, incarn- all incarnations of God are all emanating ultimately from the original Godhead, who is Krishna. He begins the greatest of all spiritual literature, Srimad Bhagavatam, with Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. I, I offer my obeisances to that supreme Godhead of all Godheads, the son of Vasudev Sri Krishna. Shukadeva Goswami was Brahman realized from his very conception in the womb of his mother. He was not at all interested in material enjoyment. It is described in Bhagavatam that Shukadeva Goswami was so disinterested in material life that he chose not even to come out of the womb of his mother this world is full of so many allurements so many false pleasures so many illusions why should I become entangled the womb of my mother is a very nice place it's dark there's nothing to enjoy it's miserable huh? no entanglements I'll just stay here I, won't have to, I will not have to risk falling down to the temptations of maya I'll just stay here and meditate on brahman aham brahmasmi His father, Srila Vedaviyas, he had a mission for his son. He wanted him to come out. Shukadev Goswami refused. Until he heard the narration of the glories and pastimes of the Lord. Then he decided he would come out because he was so attracted by this subject matter. Even the liberated condition of mukti, had no appeal to him after he heard the beauty of the narrations of the pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhood. So he came out of the womb. He was 16 years old, and he was naked, and he began to walk. And his father, like all fathers, please come home, get married, help me, huh? Shukadev Goswami was not interested. He walked, and his father was following behind him, begging him, come home, come home. Shukadev Goswami was totally oblivious to the things of this world. They went by a pond of water, where some young girls were bathing with no clothes. When they saw Shukadev Goswami, they just went on bathing. When they saw his father, Vyastev, they became very upstep, very disturbed. Why you are coming to our secluded place? Vyastev. he said, I, I do not understand. My young son, he passed by naked and you are not offended. I am old enough to be your father or grandfather and you are offended by me. They said, because you are in the grihasta ashram, you must make distinctions between man and woman. But your son, he is so much high on the spiritual consciousness that he does not even make distinction between man and woman. He only sees God in the heart of every living being. And when Shukadev Goswami was standing in the assembly of all the great sages and rishis throughout the world who assembled to speak to Maharaj Pariksit, they all unanimously elected that he is most qualified, most purified, most renounced, to speak the absolute truth for the benefit of all living beings. Now, such an elevated scholar and realized soul as Shukadev Goswami, who had no interest whatsoever in material enjoyment. he is accepting Krishna as the supreme God. And Ramanuja Charja, and Madhva Charja, and Shankar Charja, Narayano Parovyakta. They are all declaring that Krishna is totally transcendental and worshipable by all living beings. And some scholar is saying, Oh, Krishna is a naughty, immoral person, why you accept him? Huh? So we have to understand the divine position of the Lord. In the Srimad Bhagavatam and the other great Vedic literatures, it is described that a mere expansion of Krishna in the form of Maha Vishnu, Vishnu, he is so big and so great and so powerful that he lays down in the causal ocean, which is the perspiration of his own body. And when he exhales, infinite hundreds and trillions of universes emanate from every pore of his body and this universe that we live in is just one tiny little universe of those trillions of universes and it is described in Srimad Bhagavatam a story about one Brahman whose son died so this brahman came to Maharaj Ugrasena, the king of Dwarka. He said, as long as a king is following religious principles practically, everything takes place in its natural order. It is unnatural for a son to die before his father. This is not proper and you are to blame because you are the king. And the king was so sincere that he took the blame. He said, I will do anything I can to retrieve your son. And Arjuna, he said, ah, I take a vow, I will get your son back for you. So Arjuna, who had great mystic power, had Krishna as his chariot driver, of course. First he went to the abode of Yamaraj. I'm looking for this Brahmin son. Yamaraj said, I do not know where he is. I never took him away. Do not blame me. Huh? He went all over the universe. He could not find him. Till finally, as a last resort, he had to go all the way to where Mahavishnu was laying in the ocean, causal ocean. And Mahavishnu said, Ha, ah, I took the son. He said, The reason why I took the son is because. I wanted to have darshan with Lord Krishna. I knew that as you're, as you're, because you are his devotee, he would do anything to help you. He would even come to here to retrieve the sun. Because he knows everything. He knows I have the sun. So now I am very happy. I have had the divine darshan of Lord Krishna, the master of my life. Now you can take the sun, go home and be happy. Mahavishnu is an expansion of Krishna, but even he is anxious, waiting for the moment when he could see the beauty of Lord Krishna. And it is described that the goddess of fortune Lakshmi, in the Puranic literatures, that she left Narayan to perform austerities to see Krishna. So, one time Lord Chaitanya challenged one of the devotees of Narayan in this regard when he was living at Sri Rangam in South India. He said, You worship Narayan, but why is it that Lakshmi left Narayan to perform penance to have the darshan of Krishna? He said, Ah, my goddess of fortune, Lakshmiji, she is an utterly chaste woman. Even though I know she did this, there's no offense or discrepancy in her part because krishna and narayan are the exact same person there is no difference between them but in the form of krishna his pastimes his leela are much more exciting and sweeter than in his form of narayan so she was not leaving one man to see another she was just wanted to see her husband in another dress huh So of such great souls as Mahavishnu, Lakshmi, they are all expansions or parts of the Supreme Absolute form of Godhead Krishna. And it is accepted by all the great acharyas, all the great sannyasis, all the great topmost renunciates throughout history. What is our position? our puny trivial tiny little position to give some interpretation why is Krishna telling a lie why is Krishna doing like this why is he dancing with girls in this material world there is good and there is bad relative truths but it is described in the first verse of Bhagavatam param satyam dhimahi that Krishna is the absolute truth to be meditated upon what does it mean by absolute truth that means all relative truths are utterly depending on his existence he is all good he is not subject to the dualities of good and bad he is the fountainhead and source of everything that exists Ishopanasa describes Om Purnam Adha Purnam Idam Purnat Purnam Udachate Purnasya Purnam Adhya Purnam Eva Vishishchate. The Absolute Truth is perfect and complete. Everything He does is perfect and complete. Everything He does is for the perfect benefit of all living beings. Therefore, unless we understand philosophically, scientifically, and authoritatively the nature of Krishna, unless we submit ourselves to humbling ourselves to become his devotee, it is impossible to understand why Krishna is doing what he is doing. In the Mahabharata, Bhishma tells Maharaj Yudhisthira when he is laying on his bed of arrows that the Supreme Lord Krishna is inconceivable to the human mind no amount of academic study no amount of yogic practice no amount of tapasya, fasting or any other procedure can ever give anyone the slightest inclination of the inconceivable nature of Krishna only for one who achieves his mercy Can that person understand the glory of Krishna? Krishna cannot be understood in the Vedas. Krishna cannot be understood in the caves of the Himalayas. Krishna cannot be understood by fasting, by tapasya, by sacrifice, by puja, by ritual, by any means. He can only be understood when he shows his mercy upon his devotee. Therefore, Krishna says in Gita to Arjuna Saevayamayatya Yogo Prokta Puratana Bhakto Sime Rahasyam Heto He says to Arjuna, because you are my devotee and my friend, because I am showing you my special mercy, you can understand the mysteries of my nature, no one else. Unless we humble ourselves before the great souls, the sadhus, who have made Krishna their life and soul, it is impossible to get the blessings of Krishna. And without those blessings, no one has ever understood Him in truth. Everyone has their speculations, their opinions, their ideas. Huh? God is great. And when Krishna appeared on this earth, he showed exactly how great is God. And for those who have the eyes to see, Premanjana Bhakti for those eyes that are decorated with the self of love, they can understand Krishna in truth. So this verse of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is very clearly Explaining the phenomena of this world, that I am never manifest to the foolish and unintelligent. For them, I am covered by my eternal creative potency, and so the deluded world knows me not, who am unborn and infallible. Although Krishna is everywhere, and Krishna is in everything through his divine energy, unless he reveals himself, we cannot see him we cannot perceive him we cannot understand him there are atheists who challenge one famous atheist he challenged if God exists then I challenge him now to strike me down with a thunderbolt I will give him 10 seconds to do so Ah. 10 seconds later he said you see God does not exist Huh? Why should God waste His time striking such a fool down with a thunderbolt? Huh? I think God is subject to our, um, our testing. Huh? Krishna, you have to prove yourself to be God by, by passing my test. Huh? Krishna does not have to prove Himself to anybody. In this world, people who are insecure, they are constantly proving their positions to others. But someone who's really in an exalted, glorious position in this world, does he have to prove himself to anyone? He just lives his life. God is not so insecure that he needs this man's seal of approval before he could be accepted as God. Huh? Krishna simply ignored him. But in due course of time, Krishna did take his life. huh? Krishna does things according to his will, not your will. He gave Krishna ten seconds to strike him dead. huh? But do you know how famous that person would have been if Krishna would have done it? (laughs) Krishna did not want to give that person such credit. But Krishna did kill him through the agency of time in due course. So therefore to understand God can only be possible through humble devotion and through the association of the proper spiritual authorities who know God and who love God. So when we watch the Mahabharata on the television, some of the stories are very nice, some of them are according to dramatic license of the producers they add they subtract and so on and so forth but in general it's very nice it reminds people of krishna morality dharma these things are very nicely explained but we must understand that we cannot understand krishna simply by watching television we cannot understand krishna by reading books the real nature of God is disc- them through selflessness and what is the spiritual definition of selflessness? bhakti devotional service what does devotional service mean? service means to give up oneself for another without expecting anything in return if you expect something in return it's not service Service means for the master, for the object of service, and devotional service means to serve with love, to selflessly offer our life in love. That is our goal. That is what we are striving for. If we make that our target in life, Krishna will reveal everything else by his mercy in due course of time. But maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe not for many years. But if you want the real thing, you have to wait for Krishna's mercy. Whenever he so desires, it may take your whole life. Our happiness our joy is simply to know that we are doing the will of Guru and Krishna that's all we do not need anything else if we know we are honestly sincerely making the selfless sacrifice in the service of Guru and Krishna just that understanding within our heart gives us fulfillment, joy, and purpose, and we do not require anything else because we have faith that everything else will follow in due course. Sadhu means to cut. Of course, different sadhus cut in different ways. but they're all cutting. Some cut in such a way that you really don't know you're being cut. (laughs) But after some time, you realize that you've really been cut. And some just cut very blatantly and you realize I'm being stabbed to death my ego is being stabbed to death by the knife of his sharp words. But, whatever way a particular sadhu cuts our ego with his words, we should know that by hearing submissively and allowing those words to enter our heart, he frees us, he liberates us from the selfish, Egoistic qualities that are keeping us away from Krishna. Last year, Srila Prabhupada's message to all devotees on the time of initiation was to be the servant of the servant of the servant. To do that is the greatest test, to serve Krishna. We can become very proud of that, to just see what I have done for Krishna. And we have seen that oftentimes if people have very direct relationships with their spiritual master and they surrender and they serve so much, they become very intoxicated with false pride thinking that you, all you other devotees, just see. I'm so surrendered to Gurudev. I have such a close relationship with Gurudev. I've done so much for Gurudev. I'm much better than you. In this way, false pride can very easily creep in when we are directly serving our spiritual master. And when there's pride, According to Chaitanya Charitamrita, our service is spoiled. The internal quality of that service, which is all Krishna accepts, is spoiled. Externally, we may be doing so much, but we start thinking ourselves in fear superior to other Vaishnavas because of our special relationship with Guru. So therefore, to be the servant of the servant of the servant is the situation where there's really not much room for pride. It is the most direct process of killing this false pride, purifying it altogether. And this is the, this is the teaching of Mahaprabhu. <inaudible> To be humble like the grass tolerant like the tree ready to offer all respect to others and to expect none in return and to always chant the holy name in this spirit how is it possible to simply accept the role of being the servant of the servant of the servant of the servant the most insignificant servant of all other servants of the Lord therefore service to the Vaishnavas is the most potent formula for getting the mercy of the spiritual master in Krishna. As I say, when you serve Krishna some directly, sometimes you think you're even more advanced than your guru. We have seen within our own movement, devotees try to have such a direct relationship with Krishna through hearing and chanting about his higher rasas that they think that they're higher than their own guru. That he's not giving me everything that I'm finding on my own, or through other sources. What does that mean? That means the person has been defeated by false pride. His bhakti has been terribly disturbed. And those who serve Guru directly, they think, oh, see all these hundreds of devotees, they don't have such a special relationship like me. So they're doing service. But they're servants of their egos. Oh. The guru becomes, their service to the guru becomes the via service to guru is not the via medium to God, it's via medium to their egos. If that is their desire. So, Mahaprabhu taught, what is the safest, purest, and truest path of really being in a mood of selfless service, devotional service? Gopi Bharatura Padakamalyora Sanudas. That we don't think ourselves better than any Vaishnava. We consider ourselves the servant of every Vaishnava. Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami said, "I place the feet of of every Vaishnava on my head. Not only the great Paramahamsas but even the new, new, new who are just coming. Let me be their humble servant. Let me encourage them. Let me teach them about Krishna in a mood of service. So to be kind to the Vaishnavas, to be respectful to the Vaishnavas, to never cr- to criticize means." I am above you. To give up criticism. In fact, Rupa Goswami said, what are the qualities of a true devotee? No duplicity. And he doesn't criticize others. What does duplicity mean? You say one thing, you're not straightforward because you want to accomplish something else. It means you have ulterior motives. You're not really trying to serve that person. You're trying to somehow or other exploit that person. That's what duplicity means. What is the opposite of, of duplicity? Simplicity. Simplicity means you just speak the truth. You're just trying to serve, you're just trying to help. You don't have any ulterior motives. You don't have to adjust and complicate things to achieve your own ends and means. You just speak what's... You want to help that person, you want to help... You just speak it. And what does criticism mean? Putting yourself in a superior position to judge. So to give up criticism and to give up duplicity amongst Vaishnavas is a preliminary stage of developing this mood of being the servant of the servant of the servant. To show kindness, to show love, to show care toward other devotees is the path of being service to the servant of the servant. But all that kindness, compassion, and care is with the view of assisting that person to increase his love of God, to increase his devotional service, to bring a person closer to Krishna. This is our goal. And this is the spirit we must always strive for. And then when we come together for the kirtan of the holy name, it's a wonderful, beautiful experience of the spiritual world. The sharing of the hearts of all such servants of the servants of the servants, all encouraging and enlivening and enthusing one another to love God by singing his holy names. Hare Krishna Hare, Hare Krishna, Krishna 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 Hare Hare Hare. Hare, Hare, Hare So I have to leave in 15 minutes for airplane. We'll have a few minutes kirtan, and then I will go. (laughs) Everyone please stand up.